Welcome to Apply the Word, a podcast of Redeemer Church. Today we are going to be discussing our pastor, Benny Phillips' message from yesterday on Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. It's going to be a good one, um, but first listen to this beautiful music. So we are here. Um, I'm Joey Phillips. I'm here with Dad, Benny Phillips. You preached yesterday on Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, continuing our series in Ephesians. Um, why don't you sum it up for anyone who didn't hear and as a reminder for those who did. Yeah, the passage really is the um, what most consider kind of the turning point in the uh, book of Ephesians where Paul begins to move from this kind of cosmic view of things into the more practical view. But he, he does that by emphasizing how important our understanding of the broader view of the church is. And so the me- message actually kind of focused on verse 10 of chapter 3, which says his intent is that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. And, and what he's building, building upon there is that the church coming into being, the, the revelation that he talked about that God had given him was mm-hmm. the revelation that the gospel was for both Jews and Gentiles, which you mentioned last week was a revolutionary right. um, thing for them back then. But it wasn't just that it was for them, but they were being formed into something that displayed the glory of God because of their unity. And what they were being formed into was a new community, and a new people of God, the church. Right. And, and so chapter 1, you, you see that there's a demonstration of God's power to do this, the end of chapter 1. In chapter 2, you see that there's a demonstration of God's grace in making this happen. And then in chapter 3, you see that there's this demonstration of the wisdom of God. And so the wisdom of God is that his plan from the beginning was that Christ would die for our sins and form a new people of God, both Jews and Gentiles. Prophesied in the Old Testament that this was going to happen and then now he gets this revelation of what the church is, and it is a glorious thing, the many-faceted wisdom of God, Paul says. It's a, it's a beautiful, valuable thing. And so that's, that really was the focus of what we talked about, which then gives the church its purpose. There is um, a significance to the church that our society uh, does not adhere to. The church is peripheral. The church is uh, insignificant. um, And that is not true in God's plan, God's design of things. And so when when we are gathered together as the people of God, that's the most significant place we can Mm -hmm. be. It's the most significant thing we can do. And it's the most important 
uh, part of our demonstration uh, of the glory and the power of God. So that was kind of the idea. And then I talked a little bit about some of the, uh, just began to talk about some of the practicals of what that would look like in the message. So, so for those who have listened to the past couple of podcasts we've done, everything Dad said, you can tell um, it wouldn't surprise you that the name of or the title of his message was, I think, Revealing the Mystery yeah, Part Yeah, the mystery two. revealed, yeah. And it was a part two for a reason. This has been the the consistent theme of these first three chapters is just the the glory of the church and how um, it plays into God's plan. And we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about that because Paul does, and because it's glorious. And, and Dad did, just at the end, start to get into um, what I want to kind of focus on today which is like walk us through you had three points at the end about um basically what the church does right um and its ministries so explain that well yeah most of the um commentaries that you'll read or even particularly probably the uh theological content of ecclesiology will will acknowledge that there's basically three uh, ways to look at or three different things to look at when you talk about the purpose of the church. There is uh, what Wayne Grudem calls the um, uh, worship, uh, spiritual growth, and evangelism, those three. Uh, J. Rodman Williams mentions them, uses different words. But the the worship idea is ministry to, to God, the uh, Spiritual growth ideas, ministry to one another, and evangelism is ministry to the world. And so we, you know, we started by talking about how significant worshiping together really mm-hmm. is, and and that I mean I, that's what you're referencing. I yeah. Think. So let's take that first one to talk about right now, because I think all three of those um, themes are you'd find throughout the New Testament. Like it's easy right. to build that case specifically with uh, ministry to God, what you called worship. We, as a church, um, sing together every Sunday, and we hear the preaching of the Word every Sunday. We don't do very much every single Sunday, but those two things we do every Sunday. Why Why is that? Because I don't—I mean, you can't find a verse that says every time you gather, someone needs to be behind a pulpit preaching at you, or every time you get together— um, well, there may be a verse about every time you get together, you should be singing songs. <laughs> a song, a hymn, a <laughs> yeah. spiritual song. We'll yeah, actually yeah. get to that in a little bit. Okay. Yeah, in, in Ephesians. Yeah. But why are those, um, the singing and the preaching, every Sunday, why do we Why do, we do that? Well, the, the worship part of it is the idea, what you see throughout Scripture. I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, when the people of God gathered together, the reason they were gathering together was to celebrate the fact that that we are the image of God. We are the the creation of God. And as the people of God, we are specifically uh, formed or called, if you will, to be the people of God. And that is a glorious thing. And that is the only uh, biblical response to that is to worship, to express um, our gratitude to God. Now, a lot of people will say, 
we'll, we'll talk about worship kind of in the broader sense of, well, our whole lives are worship to God, and we right. can go into the woods and worship God. And there is truth to that. But that's not what Paul's talking about. That's not what the New Testament writers are talking about. They're saying, look, when you gather together, there is to be an expressiveness and a passion about what you're doing. And that expression of passion and enthusiasm is for the fact that we are God's chosen people. And that reality is worth celebrating. Right. And then the Word of God is central because it is the Word of God that really uh, pulls it all together and is the means of grace that God uses for us to grow and learn and find out more. It's the Word of God is His self-revelation. The only way, way we find out about who God is is through His revelation to us of who He is, which primarily comes through the Word. So why can't I sit at home and uh, stream a worship service, sing along with it, and listen to the sermon, or uh, or get a podcast called Apply the Word, listen to that, <laughs> and yes. accomplish those same things? You, there is a, a a real. Or can I? Can I do that? Is well, that yes, fine? you can. Yes, you can do that. But it's there's a difference. And let me think about how to say this. There was an article, uh, the the featured article this week in uh, Gospel Coalition was uh, an article that asked the question or made the statement: "You can't live stream church." Now, the fact of the matter is, you can actually live stream church. But <laughs> well, what? But we have the technology. We do to have do the so. technology. But what he's getting at there is, it's not the same, and it's great for folks who temporarily can't go, or perhaps are incapacitated right. and can't go, and 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 that's a wonderful thing. But the reality is that the, the life of the church, there is something that happens when the people of God gather together. The promise is that when two or more are gathered together, right. you know, I'm there in their midst. There is a um, uh, something significant. There's something spiritual that happens as the people of God gather. Our corporate identity is just as important as our individual identity. In other words, we are, we are uh, image bearers. We are made in the image of God, but even corporately, we express the triune God. We can't do that individually. Hmm. God isn't fully expressed in us individually, but there is an aspect where, his, where our corporate identity is a more fuller expression of who He is as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it, is, it really is a glorious thing. Yeah. And I think you see that also um, in Paul's descriptions of the church being, he uses, um, we, are a, we are a body, we are a building. Right. Um, all these metaphors that he uses, the way he builds them out, require um, multiple people. Right. We, to be the right. church, we have to be a group. We have to be uh, corporate, like right. you said. And it the picture, every picture that he uses loses its meaning if it becomes an individualized thing. Right. And I do agree with you. I think there are times, and there's benefit to the live streaming thing for folks who wouldn't otherwise be able right. to make it. Right, right. Um, but the, even those people, let's say you have somebody who cannot make it to church, 
hopefully the church is bringing that's right uh, the body to them that's to right. minister to those right. folks and it's not just an online experience because that is there's no way that an online experience can duplicate what we are supposed to be as the church that's and correct. so um, that's as right. you went through uh, the significance of the preaching and singing um, the meaning there it has to be corporate right um, and otherwise we're we're missing out on uh, exactly yeah. what God is uh, doing. Right. Scripture says, "Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together." I mean, that is that is what He has called us right. to do. So, well, actually, we'll take a break because there's a couple of other things that we want to talk about. But you know, it's uh, March Madness time, and there's a lot of significant things happening. But during the break, we're going to change up the music a little bit because probably even more significant than March Madness is the fact that the zombies have finally been inducted into the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. Oh, and so man, I want you to day. enjoy the zombies during the break. What a day. So we have my mom, who has a name, and it's Sheree, here. And she's going to talk a little bit about Lake Nona Christian Counseling, which is a counseling center that she has founded and opened uh, very recently. Yeah, so we opened Lake Nona Christian Counseling here in Lake Nona uh, in September. And I am really enjoying getting to know the people that God is bringing, um, caring for couples and individuals, including a couple of teens, actually, who are experiencing some real hope and some real progress in their struggles. What, uh, what kind of struggles are we talking about here? What kind of experiences? Obviously, it's probably all over the spectrum, but can you provide any sort of uh, context for what kind of struggles these are? That's a great question. And now phasers are starting to appear in my mind. Uh, they're common ones. I mean, we're all strugglers. Uh, on a spectrum, for example, uh, all of us struggle with anxiety or with right. discouragement, for example. Uh, but there are things that bring those things to the surface to the point that somebody says, you know what, I need to sit down and talk with somebody. Right. And so the things that I'm talking with about with people are, are common. The fact is... Every marriage, for example, has conflict, has insensitivity, has a misunderstanding, has struggles. And, but sometimes it's heightened by issues that some of uh, my counselees are facing, like addiction or suffering through the aftermath of, of sexual sin, like chronic pornography or adultery. Uh, spouses who are distant or even just disengaged from the hard work that healthy marriage requires. So those are some of the things that people are coming to us for in marriage. But teens are wrestling with common teen issues. But sometimes, again, it's heightened. For example, one of, one of the young men who came to me was really battling a lot of discouragement over not doing well in the PSAT test. Hmm. So something like that, even getting a, a low score, I'm not going to get the merit, you know, scholarship right. offers that I hoped for. What do I do about that came to me? And we've talked little about the PSATs, but we're talking about his struggles with his parents. We're talking about struggles with friends. And so, uh, the pressures of school and where am I going to go to college now? That kind of thing. 
So if somebody is, is struggling with these things and they do get to the point where they, they feel like they need to talk to somebody who um, has 45 years experience in being a counselor, um, how, how can they get in touch with Lake Nona Christian Counseling to set up a meeting? Well, they can email me at Cherie, S-H-E-R-E-E, at LakeNonaChristianCounseling.com. Uh, that would be the best that best way to get in touch with me. But they can also call 407-617-4413. Well, thank you. All right, well, as you can tell, that was definitely not the zombies. That was disappointing. That was some for sovereign sure. grace music. Yeah. As you can tell, our pastor clearly does not know how the internet works. What? I think we <laughs> should be able in. to just pirate it and bring it. <laughs> Which, we, I mean, we we're could. too cheap to yeah. uh, pay the fees. Well, it, <laughs> maybe it's uh, past its, what's it called, the uh, where you can just use it however you want. That's true. Like the, the, like, the, like the hymns that are yeah, yeah, that are, yeah. yeah there you it go. It's be. a modern hymn. Anyways, <laughs> we're not going to do that much work. So, and the other thing, oh, I did want to mention, um, if you saw on social media that we were going to talk about college basketball today, because that's what we said we were going to do, we're not doing that either. Um, Selection Sunday's next Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> so I got that wrong again. <laughs> so we're going to uh, we're going to be talking about it then. Um, plus, Jake decided not to show up. So. All right, so let's get back into it. We discussed ministry to God. The other two that you talked about were ministry to each other and ministry to the world. So I want to talk about those as well. You called ministry to each other spiritual growth. Um, so I wanted to ask you as as you were going through that, that one obviously has the same, you, you have to be with people to do that. You can't uh, right, right. minister to each other if you are not with each other. So there's that application uh, there. But... Um, why, as as Redeemer Church, do we do ministry the way that we do? Um, and for those of you who are listening who are members of the church, you probably know um, you have an idea of what I'm talking about there. But for others, um, we really do focus on um, our community groups right. and ministering to each other, um, even some would say pastorally caring for each other. Um, I don't I remember off the top of my head CCEF's way of saying that, but basically it's... Well, I just call it face-to-face ministry. It encompasses the idea of both care and counseling and serving together. And really right. that, that even uh, their whole approach to counseling really is friendship, building relationships and you know that kind of thing. And so... That, that really is kind of the where we've grabbed that idea of community group because over the years our small groups have have you know shifted and changed over the years in the early years we we would use the idea of small group more Bible study like where right. we would and I remember that yeah take sermon take the sermons on Sunday and do you know a, a larger version of what you and I are doing talking right. about the the application the application of the message and that kind of thing and so but we've kind of changed that focus because that um, one of the things that that um, 
we've experienced is that a, a more fuller um, embracing of the idea of caring for one another uh, actually is a huge part of how we are designed uh, by God to grow. We need each other mm-hmm. in our lives, and discipleship's a part of that as well. Um, so, you know, being involved in each other's life, speaking the truth to one another. But that can also happen in the small group setting, and actually uh, <clears throat> it's more conducive uh, to that in many ways. And, and so the, the community groups, uh, and again, you can do community groups a number of different ways, but the way we choose to do it is to take the opportunity to uh, allow what people have heard of the Word of God and how they're processing it and the things they're processing it through, right. the challenges, the difficulties, to, to come to the forefront so that we can care for one another and minister to one another. I've found over the past probably five years that the I always enjoyed the Bible study aspect of um, home groups. that We called them home groups at the time or community groups, care groups, whatever you want to call them, small groups. Um, I always enjoyed it. Same reason I enjoy this is I love diving into the Word of God, talking about it, talking about its application. But I have found that as we've focused on care, um, the application still happens. Right. It's just fleshed out. Right. And it the the care sort of comes first. And when that happens, when people feel um, this isn't just a... Um, academic project of seeing how we can take this bit of scripture and apply it to this bit of life. That's not an academic exercise. That's not an intellectual exercise. No, this is an exercise of care. This is us caring for one another. I think when you get that part first, um, then the application still happens. It just happens in the context of relationships that um, build the sort of trust that you can you can say the same thing that you right, have said right. right from the beginning after you've demonstrated the care and love that causes people to be able to hear it. Right. Um, and then just experiencing myself the same thing. When I'm going through something, I know when I go to group, if I bring up this thing that I'm struggling with, the first thing that I'm going to hear is not, ooh, you know what, I have this verse for you, and here's how you've not been applying it, right, obviously, right, because right. you're sinning. And here is how you should be applying it. Okay, now go do that. No, I'm gonna. It's gonna be the care and love right, is gonna come first. Right. And we we are going to have application happen, but I don't feel like it's a uh, yeah it, intellectual exercise. Yeah. One of one of the things that can happen in small groups is that people start to take what others are walking through and then it reminds them of something that they've been through. And, oh, sure, and yeah. the assumption in their minds is, well, that's going to be helpful. Let me tell you how I dealt with that. Right. And sometimes that is necessary and helpful. But more often than not, what's helpful is to listen and, and understand that, that you know uh, the opportunity to hear and walk with somebody, walk beside them, helping relationships or relationships that come alongside and, and don't necessarily um, <clears throat> pontificate about what right. your experiences are, but really enter into what's going on in that person's life. And as you enter in, you are going to speak the truth in love. You right. are going to uh, love them, know them, and speak to them. Uh, and then walk with them as they try to make that application in their lives. 
And not that there's anything wrong with pontificating. We, <laughs> we do very it much regularly. Approve, <laughs> very much approve of pontificating. That's right. We're regularly pontificating. So that was spiritual growth. Then the last one was uh, ministry to the world, which is evangelism. Right. What you called evangelism. Man, when we talk about that, mm. I get d- discouraged. Yes. Um, guilt and, immediately well, against Well, it's not it. even... I don't, well, know. I don't know guilt for me. It's yeah. more like... Um, <laughs> it's the opposite of guilt. It's what's wrong with these people. Oh, oh I it's, see. I see. Okay. I, my, the direction I go with it is it doesn't matter um, what we say or do. People are getting the um, what they think of as community, what they think of as the truth from other locations, and they don't see the necessity of it. And if you take the sort of... Uh, you know, preach the gospel every day, if necessary, use words approach. Well, that's nice, except that people already have other people in their lives that are demonstrating that sort of care and love sometimes, a lot of the time. Um, And if you take the approach of, let me uh, destroy all your arguments for why you shouldn't be a Christian and give you all the arguments for why you should be, and once I defeat you in the argument, you will have to... (laughs) Submit to right, the Lord because right, I'm correct. Right, right. Neither of those approaches seem to work. Um, and so for me, it's like, well, what's left? Yeah, like, well, the reason why you have to have both proclamation and demonstration is because, like you said, if there's just demonstration of how the gospel has changed our lives, people won't know the motivation behind why we've changed. And they'll say, well, yeah, but there's lots of other nice people in the world too. Right. And no, what motive, I, I'm not a nice person. I'm doing these things not because I'm a nice person or because I'm basically good. No, I'm doing the things that I'm doing because I've been, uh, you know, captured by the truth of the Word of God. I am, I'm a disciple of someone else. I am motivated uh, by something other than my own goodness, which I don't have any of. Right. And and most other people's goodness is just their, um, <clears throat> you know, self interest. Uh, in trying to get you to like them, or, you know, I, I forget who it was, called it enlightened self-interest. It might have matter. But anyway, so <laughs> I'm not going gonna to attribute it to some historian or some figure that's wrong. But, um, you know, that idea that I am motivated by something other than any kind of internal thing. And so I have to proclaim the truth of what's happened to me. And the combination of the proclamation and the demonstration really does, again, as God opens the eyes of the unenlightened, it does show them the way to the Lord. Nothing we do or nothing we say is ever going to convince anybody of anything unless the Lord is drawing them unless the Lord is opening their eyes. We're faithful to proclaim. Mm-hmm. We're faithful to demonstrate. But the Lord has to open their eyes. Yes, I agree with all of that. <laughs> <laughs> it the, doesn't make you feel yeah, any different, though. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel better. But keeping in mind that the combination of the two is important, I think, and not right. getting wrapped up in one or the other solely. Right. Um, the other aspect of it is sort of the corporate. We've been talking about the corporate versus individual Corporately, what can we do as a church? It seems to me you have sort of the the seeker-friendly folks who are very good at getting people in the door, um, and in a lot of cases, keeping them in the door. 
uh, through various programs and things like that. All when you see those types of churches, typically they they're larger already. Like, right? Um, we wouldn't be capable of doing some of the things that uh, you know some of the other churches in the area who are larger are capable of doing. Simply, we don't have the resources. If we don't have the resources to do some of the what I would call elite social network mm-hmm, right. um, things to get folks in the door, what what can we do in our small way? Now we don't care about growing into a church of three thousand people. That's not the point. We want to minister in our community effectively. That's what we care about. How do we do that? How do we make people aware that we're there? How do we get people in the door? Um, but do we do we is getting people in the door the biggest thing. Yeah, well, I mean... It is a thing. It is a thing. And certainly certainly it is important for us to be able to get people to come through the door. So I don't have any... I don't really have a fundamental problem with trying to do things that are going to minister to the community. That's why we do our winter festival, you know, is because we, we hate, you know, neighborhood here we are. And people love it. And we have great crowds that come... And they enjoy the free hot dogs and the the different right. activities that we're right. doing. And then out of the four hundred that come on Saturday, you know, three of them come on Sunday. Right. And so it's not effective in in the sense that oh, we're getting people in the door and they're joining the church. But it is effective in the sense that people know, hey, there's a group of people there that really care about the community. And it's in those moments when God brings them to a place where they are hurting, they are recognize their brokenness and they are in need, that they w- know a place that they can turn to. So it's right. effective in that sense. I think the program approach, though, is the reason why it, quote, holds on to people is because it gives them, it does give them a sense of community. The only problem is, is that w- what kind of community is it? What are you... Uh, building into them. And and that's where, again, some of the seeker-friendly churches do a great job with their youth ministry. Some of them do a horrible job right. with their youth ministry. And by horrible job, I don't mean keeping the kids entertained. I mean really discipling. The point is to keep them entertained. That's right. the horrible That's aspect. the problem, right. right. But if they're discipling them, if they're training right. them, then, then you know, God bless them. They've got the resources to do yep. it. And, it, and it's nice. I just think that we have to be faithful mm-hmm. to the proclamation and demonstration of the Word, and, and God will bring the growth. And I'm not saying that in the sense that we don't get out there and we don't evangelize. We do. Right. I mean, you won't find anybody more evangelistic than my wife. There's not a waitress you know, in Lake <laughs> Nona or at Publix that doesn't know who she is right. because she is constantly praying for them. And, and I don't mean in this kind of, this kind of eerie, like, a woman, would you just hurry up and shut up? I mean, they actually like no, the fact yeah. that she interacts with and them. And they end up she, crying. And, yeah, yeah, they end up crying and giving giving her their phone number. And, you know, not a lot of them come. I guess my preaching, you know, <laughs> chases them just off. chases them off. But but anyway, th- yeah, I mean, I'm rambling a bit here. But that, that there is um, a desire that we have to be evangelistic, but we have to make right. sure we're being faithful and how we do that. Right, and we can't neglect either aspect, corporately or individually, uh, right. in any of these categories. Right. I think that's, if uh, to sum up how to apply the word, don't neglect the personal aspect of right. ministry to God or the corporate aspect. Don't neglect right. the individual or corporate aspect of spiritual growth, and don't ignore 
either the corporate or individual aspect of evangelism? I think I'd like to end with a quote that I've been using in this series from John Stott that I think really, really does help us to see the seriousness of this topic that Paul is talking about here in Ephesians in terms of the centrality of the church. He says this, he says, If the church is central to God's purpose, as seen in both history and the gospel, it must surely also be central to our lives. How can we take lightly what God takes so seriously? How dare we push to the circumference what God has placed at the center? And I think that is just a wonderful statement of, look, church is not some peripheral thing that nice people do. The church is what the purpose and plan of God is for the evangelization of the world. And, And God has called us to do that, and it is central to his plan and purpose. It's central to all that we do. Absolutely. All right, well, that is a great way to wrap up, and we'll be back next week. We will be discussing college basketball, among other things, next week. Thank you for listening, and apply the word.